Attention Rocketeers, this is Jim, and before we start the show, Hal and I just wanted to tell you that we'll be at the Movies by Minutes get-together in Chicago on Saturday, August 26, 2017. There's going to be a lot of other podcasters there, including Pete the Retailer and Comic Book Alex from the Star Wars Minute, and we'll be talking about movies, uh, podcasting, minutes, and a, a bunch of other things. So for tickets and details, check out moviesbyminutes.com slash Chicago. Hope to see you there. Happy Friday, and thank you for spending the entire week with us here at the Rocketeer Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnston-directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, one of the proud airplane nerds from the Experimental Aircraft Association in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And back with us again is Alex from the Star Wars Minute. Welcome back, Alex. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Yes, and if you haven't been to the Star Wars Minute, you are missing, well, the, the font of all movies by minute uh, podcastingdom, if that's a phrase. Um, <laughs> but uh, please check out Star Wars Minute. It, you've, it, and if you haven't, you have a lot to catch up on because there is movie after movie's worth of uh, great stuff out there. Please uh, go visit. And Alex, thanks for, so much for being on with us uh, these past several days as we watch uh, men play with a, <laughs> a giant brass statue of uh, Charles Lindbergh. My pleasure. Alex, have you tallied up the number of of minutes you've recorded episodes for at this point? Or is that is that scary? Um yes and yes. Um <laughs> I think Pete recently my the, my co host Pete the Retailer recently figured that between um the movies and the weekend show we do for our Patreons, we've done uh, over six hundred episodes. Wow. So it's wow. uh it's uh, that's it's, amazing. It's a big thing. And, uh, well, as of this uh, this one, Jim and I have done uh, over 19 episodes. So so we, we understand exactly what uh, what it yeah. feels like to be you, right? Yeah, we. Yeah. Uh, I think we've come up with just about uh, one-third <laughs> of an hour here. So, anyway, we are back in the bean field watching Cliff and PV watching a, uh, a nice brass Lindy wearing his uh, Howard Hughes-built uh, X3 rocket. As it goes around and around and around on a on a chain, and unfortunately, it looks like the torque is going to be too much for that that, that pipe that uh, Cliff had installed in the ground in that loose soil. So, physics is going to take over, or you know, Isaac Newton is going to take command. And wouldn't you know, there there goes Lindy, uh, conserving his angular momentum and heading off into the heavens. Uh, it is a really good scene from uh, an ILM's point of view. This is a fantastic work in ma- matching the live action with this model work and, and animation. Right. Yeah, it's got a real sort of gentle curve to it. It's uh, it's not just streaking up in a straight line, but it's well, it's moving fast. You know, certainly faster than faster than any jetpack we've ever had. Uh, yeah, out there in the real world. But boy, it just looks like fun. Yeah, it's a uh, good. I was going to say, do you think this is why the scene is done at night? Because I guess maybe to hide some of the uh, effects work and also so that when it disappears into the sky, it's like a, you know, a flaming thing up against a black background as opposed to a, uh, would that have made any difference if it would have been filmed? Yeah, at at the time, uh, when this movie came out, I was working for a uh, flight simulator company. that uh, well it's a company that used flight simulators to train pilots and uh uh, we had uh 
the, the company that built our simulators was a company called Evans and Sutherland. And oh, sure. I, I had talked with one of their software engineers, and a lot of their at the time, a lot of their uh, simulators were done with night skies. And I said, isn't it easier in the daytime? He goes, no, but night looks better because there's less reference points. So it, mm. uh, they, they usually tried to do a lot of their simulations with night. So you just have a star field moving along and people can you know use theater of the mind to, uh, to, to add in their own details. Yeah, just uh, maybe a couple of years before this movie was uh, starting production, um, I was, uh, thanks to my mom, was a civilian employee at an Air Force base uh, south of Seattle. And uh, I would get on base and go visit her now and again. And she got to be friends with one of the guys that ran the simulator bays there. And so for me as a you know young airplane geek and, and uh, young teenage pilot, getting in and flying the C-130 and C-141 and then the F-15 simulators was just a, an absolute blast. But all of them were only uh, only at night. That was the only thing that they would they would offer because you have... You know, you can have a nice horizon line, then you have stars up above you, and then, you know, sort of street and city lights on the ground. And it was just much, much uh, simpler, uh, simpler view to present. That's just where the technology was. So probably the same Evans and Sutherland Sims. Yeah, it, it's, uh, uh, but yeah, g- generally, an answer to your que- question from uh, an hour and a half ago, was, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Alex, it, it's probably easier to do it at night because it just looks better. And it, it helps, of course, with the story that these guys are sneaking out. This is a little bit clandestine. You know, they don't want anybody seeing what they're doing. Although, you know, by all accounts, they're way out in the middle of nowhere, except for the uh, except for the giant and very, very ornate and uh, complex billboards that are around. There's not a yeah. ton of civilization out here. Yeah, yeah it's uh, in the, the the valley beyond Encino. And uh, it, it just keep keep looking at all just the, the, every frame of this film it, you can see it on a storyboard where they're showing, you know, the pipe moving back and forth, showing that it's going to come loose any second now, and and the reaction shots of Cliff and Peavy, and it it's very well designed. It doesn't it doesn't have a uh, an improv feel about the whole thing. You know, when it's uh, when it, we've got that great shot there, we're looking at uh, Cliff and Peavy. They're looking up, wondering where it is, and then of course we see the little firefly dot come in behind them. They do a really nice job there of showing that it's. You know that it's fast and everything else, but it's also kind of unstable. It's not, uh, it's you know, it's wandering around. It's sort of looping around, and that's a little bit of foreshadowing to show us, you know, that PV is going to have to do something to help Cliff control this thing. I think they they sell it well. It, I, I the only thing is I, the pacing is a little bit slow. I think they spend a little bit too much time as they're looking around. It's more, it's almost like a British panto show that. You, you're expect. I think they're expecting the audience to be yelling, "Look behind you!" Uh, right. All of that's going on. So, but just uh, great, great looks of dumbfoundedness on them. I mean, I guess I don't know how many takes they had to do that with, but it uh, it was very effective. It's very. So, are we to believe that just by sheer chance this rocket blasts off into the sky and then happens to land more or less at the exact same spot that it took off from? Yes. Yes, we are. We are to believe that, and okay. uh, those of us who uh, religiously love this film, uh, we choose to do so. Okay. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it just it just had that. I mean, it was the will of the force. If you really want to, they had he had to get his uh, he had to get his jetpack back, and that's that's where it came from. So, I'm assuming it's it's a boomerang that there's there's only so much of a range that it can do, and the fact that they did they did have to run after it so it wasn't directly on top of them it just just barely missed them i do wonder where that one that one hill in the middle of the bean field was just enough you know there's just enough of a of a hill there to to stop lindy from 
from heading on to uh, Mexico. Um, <laughs> or Kansas. Well, say, it, it almost looks like you could almost... I, I want to think... I'm going to go with the theory that the rocket actually goes completely around the Earth. And that's how ah. it comes back up <laughs> yeah. behind them. So, yeah, just, uh, just, just about running out of gas at the very, very end there. That's yeah. good and bold thinking. Yeah. It has enough I, gas for... They did perfectly designed it so that it would have one complete uh, go around the <laughs> circumference of the Earth and then run yeah. out of gas for just such an emergency as this. Yeah, it, it was a lot more believable than, than having it punch up through the ground after uh, drilling through China and out, yeah. you know, out the other side. So. <laughs> Uh, Alex, I was, sorry for the total tangent, but I was listening to one of your Jedi minutes uh, just recently, and it, we were, it was uh, C-3PO and his programming of whether or not he would uh, he he was uh, able to impersonate a deity, mm-hmm. and talking about how you know here's young Anakin Skywalker programming him, you know I I, I can't let you. Uh, pretend to be a god someday because I need that memory for you to do the dishes and how well that well that they were thinking ahead and I was dying. Yeah. So this this might be something that they maybe maybe the thing does have a, a range limiter on it somewhere. I mean, who knows what's inside that that box that Howard Hughes uh, built. It might it might be like a, you know the drone like like drones nowadays if it if it gets out of range it goes back to the direction or <laughs> the GPS coordinate where it came from. Hmm. So now the little uh, the little hill that's there in amongst the the furrows, you know, the only upward spot. Um, you suppose that's uh, that's a, is there a cable mechanism in there? Is that that's being discussed yeah, for the effect to just tow this I, thing in? I'm assuming that this is the same mechanical effect that was used when they were when the GB crashed on right. the on the runway, and it's just there's some underground cable. And I would think that since Alan Arkin is running so fast, this was filmed before they did the GB because, as we know, that he severely injured his leg during the GB crash earlier on in the movie. So this must have been shot well before that, unless that's uh, – no, that is definitely Alan Arkin on the left of the screen at, at yeah. the end of a minute there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and this is before he had any idea to stay away from cables. So <laughs> – uh, you know, it, it's funny when I, when I watched the uh, going away from the Rocketeer minute and getting into Star Wars land a bit. When I watched the Force Awakens, I know that uh, uh, Harrison Ford suffered broken bones when he was uh, accidentally hit by the door of the Millennium Falcon during the movie. But I don't know where that happened in the movie, so I'm not sure. I keep wondering which scenes when you're looking at them, which scenes is he you know wearing a cast and oh, under yeah. or, or just sure. having him parked. So that seems to be my uh, my Han Solo connection with uh, with PV through this entire movie. I keep watching to see if he's limping or if he's uh, actually walking uh, rapidly, uh, just to figure out where they where these different scenes fell in. I was just reading a book about um, Citizen Kane, and uh, there was a scene while they were filming where Orson Welles um, uh, two times he cut his hand open, and also one time I think he broke his foot, and uh, so they filmed kind of him with a broken foot and just kind of did the best they could. And uh, it makes me wonder if someone should do a compilation of uh, movies <laughs> where actors have had injuries and are now trying to fake their way through the, just for the sake of completing their movie just to see. Uh, yeah, o- opening with the uh, Martin Sheen bleeding in Apocalypse Now scene. No. Right, <laughs> yeah. Real-life injuries. Yeah. The- yeah, this is uh, ever since... Ever since I started reading the uh, the IMDb trivia section of this film, I cannot look at Jennifer Connelly 
without noticing whether or not her, the sty in her eye has cleared up. And uh, <laughs> it, it's just, it's taken me completely out of the movie now. Every, well, she isn't in it yet, but yeah. she doesn't seem to have a sty in, the, in, her, uh, in her little picture that, uh, that Cliff carries around. Well, speaking of bodily injury, injury um, <laughs> like, how does someone use one of these jetpacks without, like, totally scorching the, their, their calves and, and uh, thigh and back of their uh, thighs? I Am guess it would be the, the asbestos khakis, I think, is the yes. only thing you can really <laughs> asbestos recommend. Asbestos jodfers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it I mean, I guess the problem with jetpacks since time immemorial is just how do you, how you uh, unless you go Ironman style and put the rockets on your feet, you kind of have to deal yeah. with having a giant right. flamethrower on your back. Yeah, it does seem to be a, an anathema to your to your calves. I would think that you'd want to like pick your feet up, and you'd be kind of in a seated position while you were flying. You wouldn't really want. Well, I guess that would increase your drag coefficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, or maybe by the time that the thrust gets to the back of your legs, it's uh, it's not that bad. I don't. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> still hot enough to keep you up in the air. But yeah, yeah, just uh, you know the. Uh, when you watch the, uh, the the SpaceX Falcon 9 landing, it doesn't seem to be scorching anything. So I'm just wondering if there's just, you know, if, if that uh, that cone of flame just ends, you know, the, the, the heat ends just about where the visible parts of it are. Do you guys think we'll ever have jetpacks? Well, you know, it's funny you, you bring that up because, you know, we, we have. Um, it's just been, they've just been so wildly impractical. You know, you started with, uh, you really started with what they called the Bell Rocket Belt, which was sort of a rocket, but not a belt. But everybody called it a jetpack, even though it wasn't a jet. And, uh, yeah, exactly. It was, <laughs> discuss. Um, you know, that's when, that's when we see in Thunderball at uh, the beginning of that, uh, the Bond, mill, Bond film. Um, and those, you know, they, they worked. They were real, everything else. The problem was is they had a flight time of about like 25, 28 seconds. That's all the fuel they could carry. Yeah, and then for years, uh, a couple of private companies. There's a really long and, and fascinating story, and a couple of great books written about the private companies have been working with this, and some of them have come along, and after you know after 30 years of experimenting, they were getting the flight time up to about 31 seconds, um, which just does not feel like uh, feel like progress. Then a couple of things happened in the last several years. One was a company in New Zealand called Martin Jetpack, uh, which built a thing, uh, which again is not a jet or a pack. It's a more of a thing you sort of step into, and it looks like something out of a like a Call of Duty video game or something. It's um, you sort of step into it and kind of strap yourself to it, and then it's got two ducted fan propellers, so basically two rotors uh, over your shoulders. And they've tested that, and that's uh, they flew that in fact here very very briefly a few years ago, and uh, they're taking it really really slowly. But they've they've done unmanned tests where they've flown that up to five thousand feet and had it cruise around and everything else. So that at least could sort of get you from point A to point B. And then more recently, there's a company called Jetpack Aviation, which has done something that looks much more like the original sort of the Bell rocket packs that we're used to. Thing can do, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour. So it it can't quite circumnavigate the Earth in a few seconds the way the Cirrus X3 could back in 38. But uh, they've had, had something of a breakthrough. It's really not a rocket. It is more of a true turbine jet, a little twin engine thing. And now they can fly for 10 minutes. So it's still not exactly mass transit ready, 
but uh, but a pretty substantial improvement over you know after decades stuck at that thirty second mark. Well, they do have that near limitless one, although it's a tether. The uh, the oh the uh, water one, sure the, the jet water one. Jet, yeah, Jetpack America, yeah. which is for six grand, you can fly. I, I don't know what the height is. It's like right. one or two hundred feet tops, but uh, still you can. You can have the jetpack experience, yeah. I think. Yeah, you can get that experience, and what you've got that hose that comes off your back, and then that's uh, that's connected down to a. It's basically like a, a an unmanned jet ski that sits in the water, and that's the pump, and that's what provides the thrust. So you're not actually carrying the power plant with you. So you're always tethered to that, and then of course you always have to stay over water. But it looks like an absolute blast because it's it is you know it is absolutely that jetpack experience, and you can obviously fly a lot longer. You just have to tow your engine in the water wherever you go. Although I, I would picture, even though there's not, not a problem with flame, the amount of pressure coming off of that, like more than a fire hose, it would probably rip the skin right off the back of your legs if, uh, if you ever connected. Exactly. So asbestos wetsuits is, uh, is what we recommend now, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it all Somebody comes back to that. No, we will never have <laughs> Now, come on. Until they you can know, invent a fuel that somehow could be much more portable. That, well, that you yeah. don't need, uh, you know, the, other than uh, gas or, or you'd have to, you, well, you'd have to carry like an external tank with you, like the space shuttle. That would that would be the thing, and you right. basically you'd, you have to wrap your arms around the external tank, and they just hope for the best <laughs> as you aimed it. So that yeah, I, I like guess it. no. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but I hope well, so. Fingers crossed. Yes. Yeah, it is, I mean it is a beautiful it, it, it if if you wanted you want a jetpack that looks like this. This this seems to be the thing that that you'd want. And I've seen the I've seen the Dave Stevens style that single tank that looks like a, you know, an oversized scuba tank, but I really do like the double nacelle uh jetpack that's in the movie. It seems, you know, it matches your shoulders. It feels it feels like you you feel a little bit more symmetrical and yeah, well, having twice the thrust and having that thrust spread out a little bit just makes sense. And, you know, it's funny. We've talked about, you know, several episodes talked about Stevens and, and you know, he was so closely involved with this movie. So I, I, I feel okay loving the changes that were made because I still feel like tone-wise this is one of the most faithful adaptations ever, even though there's some, some pretty significant plot points that, that differ. But that's one of them. I agree with you completely, Jim. I just, this, the... The rocket pack design for the movie, I think, just looks just looks better in every way than uh, than Stevens original. Even though it feels blasphemous to say that. Yeah. Now we've we're going to talk about in the in the next couple of weeks about the the current design that we're seeing here is that there doesn't seem to be uh, it's a constant constant velocity and oh, right. uh, doesn't really have any control surface. It just kind of thrusts as much as it can and. I, I guess what the uh, the original design, the Howard Hughes design, was to just point your shoulders at where you wanted to go, and hope you know, hopefully it'll it'll aim you where you where you could go, and and also help you land. Yeah, and if you miss where you're wanting to go, we know now that you'll go all the way around the world and end up yeah. right back where you started automatically. Right in the bean field. Yeah. yeah right so the, the important thing is to aim for aim for a good soft pile of dirt. Yeah. You know, um, I, I never really thought about this, but the uh, to go back into airplane nerddom for just a moment, the uh, a lot of the more prominent Fighter airplanes in World War One had rotary engines, so you're stopped with Camel and Fokker triplane, the you know sort of traditional airplanes that we know about. And uh, those rotary engines, though, um, also were didn't really have a throttle. It was basically all or nothing. And so when you there's a handful of those engines flying today, and when you when you hear those airplanes flying, it's really really remarkable because when they're landing, when they're slowing down, they're literally just 
sort of blipping the engine on and off and on and off, just brap, brap, like that, just wow. because they can't they can't run at a lower power setting. So just imagine getting in your car and it's it's floored. Um, except so once in a while you turn the key off to slow down, then you turn it back on again. Is uh, is how you have to fly those types. So wow. Uh, so obviously, obviously, PV has some work set out for him here, and we'll we'll be, we'll be talking about that in as early as next week. Alex, thank thanks so much for being on the show this week to t- to talk about this. Uh, I hope you get to see the other uh, hundred plus minutes of, of this film. It's not would, it has seeing these three movie th- three minutes uh, enticed you more for seeing the rest of the movie, or how how do you feel? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, um, as I mentioned, like it's not like I have anything against the movie. It's just it never uh, it you know. Nowadays, pretty much the only movies I see are things that are on Netflix or Amazon or show up on TV, and you know I'll be happy to watch it if it, it just never crossed my path. I guess. It's, uh... Got it. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this: uh, hearing us talk about it makes you want to watch it more or less? Um, no, I'd say it's it's <laughs> your enthusiasm is definitely contagious. So yeah, I'd say that's I'd say more. It makes me want to watch. If, it yeah. If if, oh. if it showed up, it, so you're at the point where if it showed up on a screen in front of you and it's just you know, Walt Disney Pictures presents, you might sit through the the movie if nothing else is going on. <laughs> <laughs> If I was, that's all we ask for. If I was in a room with a screen and the movie came on and someone held my head in the position, had my held up, had my held my head up so I could watch it, then yeah, I guess I would. I guess I would watch it. Okay, I, I'll take that as an endorsement. Good. <laughs> and Jim, oh, oh, uh, Jim's on the next flight to Portland with that. Yes. <laughs> another, another, another happy viewer. Yeah. So, uh, well, great. Well, uh, th- again, Alex, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, I hope everyone listening to us is was also listening to the Star Wars minute because if you're not, you're just wasting your life. Uh, so, uh, check out check out Star Wars minute at funnily enough Star Wars minute, and um, it's it's out there. You've got lots to catch up on if you haven't been there. Uh, in the meantime, you can also, uh, if you if you want to catch up with our puny show, we're over at uh, a couple of places. We're on uh, Twitter uh, at uh, Rocketeer Minute. We are on uh, what are the other ones? Oh, we're on Facebook at uh, the Rocketeer Minutes. Uh, or actually, uh, it's the Rocketeers Bulldog Cafe that's out there where everybody gets together and talks about these episodes. Uh, also, the great big site RocketeerMinute.com, where you can get cool swag and uh, and and. Get a get a movie that you can sit down and have somebody force you to watch right right there from uh, Amazon. We and, may uh, uh, we may want to work out some sort of deal where we can include a head holding device. Yes, uh, that might be with this, uh, with Finn. Yes, since we can't include Jim in every order. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the helmet. If you have the helmet, yeah, there you go. playing the movie in a loop. But, uh, but yeah, definitely something to check out. So go to any of those many sites. And uh, we will be back next week with uh, more adventures in the bean field and uh, how they're going to explain uh, this uh, burning man out in the... Well, burning men in California is just one of those things that's been going on for years, this, this kind of proof. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about that some more next week on the, on the Rocketeer Minute. So join us here. Until next time, over and out. Go get him, kid.